Coming up on Philosophy Talk. What's an internet troll? I've heard of these. They emerged from Usenet after the Great Flame War of 99. They feed off of negative reactions. Why are people so mean to each other online? Should we just turn off the comment section? Just turn off the comment section. Just don't read that crap. Who wrote that? Uh, anonymous. Well, I'm responding to it. Uh, don't lower yourself to their level. Look, I am simply going to defend our work, scientist to scientist. And failing that, suggest that his mother enjoys a string of both human and non-human lovers. Do people behave any better online when they're not anonymous? How do we as individuals foster a healthier online environment? Why isn't it possible to have an online forum that encourages humility and politeness? Our guest is Michael Lynch from the University of Connecticut author of The Internet of Us. Trolling, Bullying, and Flame Wars. Humility and Online Discourse. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Why is the internet so full of trolling, bullying, and flame wars? Does the web make people nastier and more arrogant? Or is it possible to cultivate more kindness and humility online? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, a program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Ken Taylor. And I'm Josh Landy. We're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where I teach philosophy and Josh directs the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today we're thinking about trolling, bullying, and flame wars as part of our ongoing series on intellectual humility. You know, I have to confess something, Josh. I may be in a minority, but I actually love the Internet. Some of my most rewarding conversations, conversations with friends and political allies, even political opponents, philosophical collaborators, and these people are spread out all over the world, have taken place over the web. It's an amazing tool. <sighs> Try hanging out in the comment section of 4chan or, or even YouTube. I mean, these are places where you've got anonymous exchanges between strangers that are never going to meet each other, and, and they quickly devolve into bullying, trolling, name-calling, I mean, you, you name it, right? Or, or try confronting the online mobs that harass people they disagree with. Uh, uh, no thanks, Josh. I think I'll stay away from that. I thought you loved the internet. I do. Uh, it doesn't mean I have to love mobs, though. Well, you can't have one without the other. Oh, Josh, come on. There have always been mobs and trolls. And no doubt there always will be. And now, sure, in the age of the Internet, some of the mobs have moved online. But big deal. Oh, it is a big deal. I mean, the, the Internet has totally changed the face of bullying. Oh, come on, Josh. You exaggerate. How? Well, because people do things in cyberspace that they wouldn't do in everyday life. A psychologist actually have a name for it. It's called the online disinhibition effect. The online... So, okay, it, there's this fancy phenomenon with a fancy name that's hard to pronounce, but what's your point? Well, the point is that the technology frees mobs from geographical restrictions, and that's a huge difference because they then become insulated both from the damage they cause and from any possibility of accountability or punishment. Oh, you can't blame the Internet for that. The Internet, after all, is just a tool. It's like a hammer or a horse or whatever. And like any tool, it can be used for good or for ill. And besides, bullies will be bullies no matter the platform, just online or off. It just doesn't matter. Well, next thing you're going to tell me that guns don't kill people, people do. Uh, I, I never say that, but, but, but look... I got to ask you, what's your alternative? 
You, do you want to censor the internet like in China? Well, what, you don't believe in the free marketplace of ideas? Now look, yeah, okay, the internet, some, because of the internet, the marketplace of ideas gets a little rough and tumble at times, but it's always been. That's the price we pay for freedom, Josh. It's just becoming too high a price. I mean, we're witnessing the total degradation of public discourse. Oh, come on, Josh, chill. Come on. Look, there's a real danger to our democracy, Ken. I mean, people are losing their privacy. People are even dying as a result of bullying and doxing. Josh, I think you're being way too alarmist. I don't think you're appreciating what happens to people on the Internet. It hasn't changed me or you. You're still the same cool guy I've always known. It changes everybody, at least a little bit, Ken. I mean, think about the bystander effect. Uh, the bystander effect? Well, you know, that's when people are less likely to help a victim if there are other people around who might lend a hand. I, I know, I know, I know that. But what's that got to do with trolling and bullying? That's what I'm asking you. Well, the point is that people's behavior can be radically distorted by the situation they find themselves in. And, and, and so, so now apply that to the situation of the Internet, right? That's a situation where you're interacting with anonymous strangers that you're never going to see face-to-face. Well... That's going to make people behave badly. And even people that would ordinarily be meek as lambs, that's the problem with the Internet. That's not the problem with the Internet per se. That's the problem with particular platforms. And you know what, Josh? If you don't like those platforms, just stop using them. Just walk away. And besides, maybe a little creativity. We can design new platforms that don't encourage bad actors. Dream on. That's never going to happen. You're never going to be able to design a platform that solves those problems. Look, there's just something inherently antisocial about the Internet. Inherently? Oh, come on. Just think, just look again. Think about AI and the limitless possibilities of it. We could use AI maybe to moderate the comment sections automatically of these things. Or or we could monitor uh, for bullying via AI. We could even use it to zap the bullies through the web. What do you think about that, Josh? Okay, so let me get you straight. Instead of having the government regulate the Internet, you want AI to regulate the Internet. Well, yeah. So instead of 1984, you want Blade Runner. Well, look, look, not much of a difference. Josh, I'm obviously not getting through to you today. I'm afraid we're just going to have to agree to disagree. Well, that's better than what happens online. Uh, And maybe this will convince you. Our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, took a look at a recent case of online harassment that may have been made worse by the Internet. She files this report. It had only been 47 minutes since a gunman opened fire inside a high school in Parkland, Florida. The death toll was unknown, the shooter not yet captured. And yet the conspiracy theorists lurking in online forums and sites like 4chan, 8chan, Reddit, and Twitter were already on the prowl. The conspiracy theories, as they often do after a major mass violence event involving guns, began pretty much immediately. Abigail Olheiser covers digital culture for The Washington Post. She says that after the shooting, conspiracy theorists took to the internet, describing the massacre as a hoax. A video claiming shooting survivor David Hogg was an actor paid to pose as a victim became the number one trending YouTube video. And by that point, it then started to get media coverage, which uh, had the simultaneous effect of calling out these conspiracy theories um, and also then amplifying them even further. Conservative-minded Twitter users shared a doctored meme claiming to show Parkland survivor Emma Gonzalez ripping apart the U.S. Constitution. She was actually tearing a gun range target. This meme went, you know, pretty viral on the right-wing internet. And soon after that, you started seeing kind of more conspiratorial ideas creep into slightly more mainstream discourse. 
What began as harassment among anonymous fringe groups online soon grabbed headlines. Jamie Bartlett, author of The Dark Net and People vs. Tech, says stirring up outrage is often exactly what online antagonists want. The whole purpose of it is to react. I think most of the people that do this don't really believe anything they're saying. They're calibrating their words to try to cause the maximum offence possible. A few years ago, Bartlett was determined to understand more about what drives online fringe cultures. So he dove deep inside the dark net, an encrypted network that can't be accessed with traditional web browsers. This is where there are the illegal drugs markets like the infamous Silk Road, uh, illegal images of children, terrorist propaganda, uh, hacker services for hire. And then there's the trolls. While touring the dark net, Bartlett met a self-described troll known as Zach. Like past generations of neighborhood watchdog-type trolls, he would target misogynistic and extremist communities, luring them into arguments designed to rile them up. Zach was frustrated by the new breed of trolls. Trolling, in his mind, had become associated with rape threats and death threats and racism and, and all of this stuff, which, which he simply says that's not really trolling. Tro- that's just being a racist on the internet. When Bartlett met some of the people scurrying anonymously in the dark web in the real world, they seemed a lot more friendly, more kind and less menacing. They are more afraid of you than you are of them. It's like a spider in your bathroom. They simply enjoy getting some rise out of people because there's nothing else for them to do. The moral of the story, he says, may always be don't feed the trolls, don't take them seriously. But with online harassment, the victims on the other end of the computer screen are real people with real emotions. I don't care if someone is playing. I don't care if they're being ironic. I don't care if they think they're trolling. That's not important. Winnie Phillips is the author of This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things, a book about online trolling and mainstream culture. The important thing is to totally sidestep the, you know, the discussion of what someone's motivations are and focus on the impact. What impact do those behaviors have? Phillips says there's practically no way to distinguish between the attention-seeking jokester trolls and the people trapped in their delusions. It's almost impossible to separate whether this is a problem with the internet or with people. Those spaces make it so that we just don't know. You don't know if someone is sharing a conspiracy theory because they genuinely believe that it's true or if because they are simply trying to amplify the story to generate the most destructiveness that they can. And Philip says, you can't distinguish online between sarcasm and sincerity either. If someone were to ask philosophical questions about intellectual humility in a chat room, they might be serious. But it could also be a trap set by a troll lurking and waiting for someone new to flame. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.